Well, good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I mean, I know we're the house of the Lord in, in the truest sense of the word. We're the abiding, we're the place of his abiding, but it's, come, it's good to come together as God's people, and it's good to see you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. Man, yesterday and today, can it get any better? It's, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Well, as uh, Isaac was sharing with you just a moment ago, I am in a series entitled The Shaking. And uh, the reason for this is because I do believe that there is a whole lot of shaking going on right now in the earth. And and I, we have entered into, I think, a roaring 20s of another kind. Uh, there's a rumble going on and there's a, there's a shaking and we're... We're not out of the woods with this, uh, this current pestilence, a pestilence, this pandemic called the COVID-19. Uh, we're, we're, we're experiencing, uh, you know, it's a political year. Thank the Lord when it will be done. Um, but it's, you know, we're, we're, we're experiencing that political upheaval again, the rise of racial tensions. There's just violence and, and just kind of, you know, we don't, we don't feel it as much in the place that we live here, but we can see it and we can feel it in other ways. And it does feel like what Kim was sharing by way of, I believe, the Holy Spirit this morning, like we've, that sense of walking through landmine, you know, like, where, you know, what, what's going to happen next? What's going what's gonna to go next? What's going to you know, blow up next, you know, that feeling. And I feel like the Lord has already preempted here this morning to, you know, don't, don't get distracted by what you can't see or the next thing that's coming. Because there's going to be another thing coming. And um, there is a shaking going on. And even Jesus said the shaking would precede his coming again to this world. And he said that the heavens will shake before his coming and he and he said that the the hearts of men would become filled with fear of doom just before he comes again and that's when he said after that though he said but you who know me lift up your eyes stand up and look up because your redemption's drawing near hallelujah how many of you know that we're still on the winning team today Come on, we're on the winning team. And not because of anything that we have done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done in us. Well, last week we talked about the fact that God does shake the earth. And we feel the effects, effects of that shake. And we talked about this last week. He will shake us to wake us up. He will shake us to break us free from things that we're depending on and looking to and building our lives on other than Him. And He will shake us, not only to wake us and to break us, but after the breaking comes the making. And He will shake us up to make us a vessel of glory and honor for Him in these days that we live. But there is not only a shaking going on in the earth today, I believe that God wants to shake the world through His church. And this is what I want to talk about today. And I have one verse of Scripture, one actually phrase out of a verse of Scripture. It's found in 
Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And let's look at this. And these are the words. This is just a portion of that verse of Scripture. It says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That's one of my favorite verses of the book of Acts. Those, and they're talking about the church, they're talking about the people of God, the people in Thessalonica that were a little upset about what, the, what was going on because the church moved into town. Said those who have been turning the world upside down, they've been shaking things up all over the world. And now they're here. They're here. Well, I really believe that's what God wants to do in the earth today. Things are shaking and things are rocking and rolling, but I believe God is wanting to bring a shaking in another way, another kind of a shaking through His church, and that's what I want to talk about. So, Father, I want to thank You for meeting with us here today. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for the Word exhorting us, calling us to attention and encouraging us to go forward. I pray now, Lord, that your word would be open to us and that we would see it afresh and anew and be encouraged. Literally, Lord, just as your words are God-breathed, breathe your word into our spirit afresh this morning, I pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Tell them, turn to somebody and tell them, I, look, I feel so good, you look good. Go ahead and tell them that. Even if it's not the truth. According to dictionary.com, world shaker means something of sufficient importance to affect the entire world. World shaker, by definition, is something of sufficient importance to affect the entire world. I believe that this definition is a perfect description of what Jesus intended for the church. I really believe that. Jesus came to redeem lost humanity. Anybody in the room have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? He came to redeem us. He came to restore us to our original intention of God's design for our life. He came to redeem and to restore and to raise up a people for His glory to carry on the work that he came to start 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that means that whatever the evil intentions of hell to stop the church, it's not going to be able to stop the church because we are literally the hands and the feet of Jesus moving through history, through nations, into communities, and into societies. We are Jesus, as it were, incarnate in the earth. Jesus is in us. He is for us. He has called us. He has commissioned us. And He said, I'm going to build this church. I'm going to do this work. And hell, whatever hell throws against it, will not be able to stop it. 
And that's talking about you and me, church. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about you and me today. Jesus said, he went on to say, he said that he, whoever, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do, and greater than these, because I go to the Father. So Jesus commissioned the church to go into all of the world and to carry on what he began. And it, there's not to be a stop to it. There's not to be a conclusion to it. While as long as we are alive before Jesus ever comes back, we are to carry on to do the very same thing that the Lord was doing while he was on this planet. That's what the church is all about. That's what you and I are all about. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. Men, women, young, old. Didn't matter the color of your skin. Didn't matter your upbringing, where you came from, Jew or Gentile. Everybody got the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on them. Hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, what began with Jesus and 12 ordinary men, three and a half years later, there were 120 on the day of Pentecost. And when the Spirit of God was poured out, in that one day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Within a few weeks, another 5,000 were added to the church. And on and on and on it went, and the church was off and running from that time. And that's why I brought us to Acts 17.6, because by this time, we're about 20 years into the life of the church. And by this time, the, uh, the reputation of the church is that these are world shakers. These are turner upside downers. Amen. And from, from a world's perspective, the church is turning things upside down. But from heaven's perspective... They're turning things right side up. From the world's point of view, these are nothing but a bunch of narrow-minded troublemakers and Jesus freaks. But from God's perspective, we are His beloved. And we are the ones through whom He brings change in the earth. And He shakes things up through the church. And so, to this day, God wants to shake things up. And I want to look at today a couple of different passages, and I want to talk about three world-shaking characteristics that God is looking for that, that need to be a part of our lives. And there are probably more than three, but I just want to, because I'm so long-winded, I only kept it to three today. So, I want to talk about these three things that, that are important to being a world shaker. So anybody interested in these? In fact, let me do this. Let me give you the words. Let me just give you a single word for all three, and then I'll start. I'll come back to point number one. Power, prayer, and praise. Can you say those words with me? Power, prayer, and praise. The first thing that we need to understand today, if we're going to be a world shaker is that world shakers are endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, here's what it says. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And then... 
in verse 33 of Acts chapter 4, it goes on and it says, And with great power, everybody say great power. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So they had great power, and they possessed great grace. They were filled. If you go back to verse 31, it says that when they had prayed, the place where they were at was shaken. Everybody say shaken. There was a move of God that took place there that day. And they were all filled, and these are the very same ones who had already been previously filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And so they were filled once, but then they were filled again. They were empowered once, but there came a fresh dose of power upon them. And the place was shaken to, to show that God was moving. And He was moving in and through His church, and He gave them the fullness of the Spirit, and with that fullness came boldness. And there came power to be effective in the earth and to shake things up in the world around them. So God brought a shaking to bring a shaking. Hallelujah. And I want to talk about this idea of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the backstory of Acts chapter 4 is real quickly this. John and Peter were on their way. It goes all the way back to chapter 3. They were on their way to the temple to pray. And... While they were going on their way, they came across a man that was crippled. And they looked at him and they saw him. And something came over them. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And something came over them. And God, through them, raised that man up on his feet. A man who was crippled all of his life. And he went leaping and jumping and shouting and praising and hanging on to Peter and John as they were going through the temple. And and you can imagine, they drew a crowd. And Peter, recognizing what Jesus had done to him and the fact that there was a crowd that had been drawn, saw an opportunity to preach Christ. And to make sure that the people understood and knew that this man was not standing here because of us. This man is standing here because of Jesus who was crucified but has risen. And in his name, this man walks again. Hallelujah. And they preach Christ. And the Bible tells us at the end of that, at the end of all of this, that 5,000 people came to faith because of what happened to that man. Hallelujah. And as you can imagine though, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were upset at what was going on in their temple, in their house, in their, in their religious system. These guys were taking over and preaching Jesus and drawing attention to somebody other than their traditions. And so they threw him into custody and later they questioned them. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And they said... By what name is what they ask? Under who, in whose name are you doing this? And they said, not in your name. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you... I love this. This is Peter. Whom you crucified. But he's not dead. He's alive. And the Bible said he said that under the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He got filled again with the Holy Spirit on the spot. I'm going to tell you something. Wherever you and I are at through the course of our life, Whatever we come up against, 
Whatever dilemma, whatever situation, we need that constant inflow and power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be endued with power from on high. That's what we really need. We don't, we can't figure this out. We can't fix problems. We can't come up with a, a plan of success to make our, our, our way through life. We need power other than from ourselves. And they had it. And then when they let them out of custody after questioning them, they threatened them. They said, don't you dare say any more about this Jesus. Don't you dare preach Christ anymore. And they threatened them with their very life. And it was the first form of persecution. It wasn't physical, but it was a, a lesser form. It was the beginning part of persecution, which tried to censure them and to keep them from talking about Jesus and to shut them down and to close them off, to close their Twitter account, to shut down their Facebook account. Come on, I know this is going out over Facebook, but... Amen. They tried to censure them, and they said, you, you, whatever you think we should do, that's up to you, but we cannot but tell you about Jesus and preach Christ. Because they were full of the power of God. And so when they left that place, they went to their companions, the church, and they began to pray. And when they prayed, God answered their prayer and filled them with power again. And this is what Jesus taught us. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. From on high. Say that last phrase, endued with power from on high. Some of your translations may say clothed, and that's really the idea of it. Literally, in the Greek, the word endued literally means to be set, to set in clothes. To set in clothes. And the picture that I have is of a, of an infant. You know, you, when you have a little baby, they can't dress themselves. They can't, they can't put on their own clothes. And so what you'll do is you'll lay out that onesie, if you remember those onesies, and you'll lay them down and you'll start to put their feet in where in the leg part and you'll put their hands in the arm part and then you'll wrap it around them and snap it up and, and then you'll put a blanket around them and you'll hold them. That's what it means to be endued with power from on high. You and I can't empower ourselves. You and I can't come up with a plan of success that'll give us the victory. We need power from on high. We need to be clothed in the Holy Spirit. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three levels of relationship any one of us can have with the Holy Spirit. There is the relationship of being with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said to his disciples, and he was teaching about the Holy Spirit, he said, you know the Holy Spirit for all this time he has been with you, but after I leave, he will be in you. And everybody on planet earth, if they encounter a Christian, or they come around a Christian, in that sense, they've been with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit has been with them. Everywhere you and I go, we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And wherever we are, there may be people who are without Christ, but the Holy Spirit is with them in you. They may be unconverted, 
and they need to experience him for themselves, but at least he's with. Amen. That's one level. There is another level. Then Jesus said, remember what he said? He said, the Holy Spirit will be in you. Everybody say in. That's another level. And whenever you and I put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we trust him, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And even Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. But if you belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come and ta- taken up residence in your heart, and He is the regenerating force. He is what He is who made you brand new on the inside. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. But then there is a third level, and I really believe this. I believe the Scriptures teach this. And that is the Holy Spirit upon you. He's with. He can be. He's with. He can be in if you put your faith in Jesus. But there is another place. He wants to come upon you. And this is referred to in the scriptures as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. This is what John was talking about. There is one greater than I who comes after me and he will baptize you. He will immerse you. He will clothe you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can't do all that I've called you to do and be all that I've called you to be without this endowment, this clothing, this baptism, this power of the Holy Spirit. We all need To be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need power. Just as surely as Peter needed it on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts chapter 3. And then again in Acts chapter 4. You and I in every chapter of our life need a fresh infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I was born again as a little boy. I was a Christian throughout all my life. I wasn't perfect. I was far from perfect. I had highs and lows, but I was raised as a Christian and I knew Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. But I had never been baptized with the Holy Spirit until I went to Bible college. And before that, I was, I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to be a good person. You know, all of those things that we all think about and talk about when we talk about Christianity. But I knew one thing. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be up here today. I didn't want to do the things that I'm doing today. Right? One day at Bible college, the Lord was drawing me to himself. And I found myself... Just saying, Lord, I just want I want whatever you want for me in my life. Whatever it is, Lord, that you want for me, I want that. And I began to surrender my life to the Lord. And I was, I was backward. I was shy. I was fearful. I was full of fear. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to speak. I could hardly testify in church back in the days when we used to have testimony services. Anybody been in church long enough to remember those times? And, and I just, I was so full of fear and I couldn't talk. But one day I went by a bunch of guys who were having a prayer meeting in the dorm. And I stood outside and I watched those guys praying for one another. And one of them, his name was Lane Lavender. He looked over at me and he said, Tim, what do you want from the Lord? And he didn't know that I had been praying, Lord, whatever you want from me. Whatever you want for me. 
And I was struggling because I felt like God was calling me into ministry. But I didn't want to do it. Anybody ever struggled with God's calling on your life? Or anything God wanted you to do? And he said, what do you want from the Lord? And I said, I don't know. I said, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I want from the Lord. I just want whatever he wants for me. And he said, well, come on in here. We'll pray for you. And I should have stayed in the hall. No. <laughs> I, I went into the room. And they all gathered around me. And they began to lay their hands on me and pray for me. And as soon as... Like within seconds, as they laid their hands on me, my hands went up. My heart went out. I said, Lord, whatever you want. And as sure as the world, there came over me this, I, I can only describe it as in a sense of, of a sensation. It was real. It was like hot wax. I don't know how to describe it. came over me. And I began to speak with another language. And I, you have to understand, I had grown up around this all my life. This wasn't foreign to me. And I was resistant, or I was hesitant, or I was fearful concerning it. But God was calling me into ministry. And I couldn't go forward without an anointing upon my life. And as I began to praise the Lord, this, this power came upon me. It was one of, one of maybe a couple of times that I actually fell in the Holy Spirit. I, I think I fell. I don't think I was pushed over. I think I literally just kind of alighted down on the ground. And I fell and I, and I just lay there speaking in this other language under the full power of the Holy Spirit. It, there was just such an overwhelming sense of it. And I think they told me that I was there for probably about, about a half hour. I wasn't even sure. But here's the point I want to make about that. It wasn't the fact that I spoke in tongues that's the, the most important thing. That's not the most important thing. I'm telling you today, by the grace of God, that my life was never again the same from that day. That doesn't mean that I was perfect, that I did everything right, that I didn't fall short of the glory of God. I did. And we will. But there is an anointing and a power that comes upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can only say it in these ways. From that time forward, I changed. I was not the same person. And I loved where I used to couldn't love. And I, and I was, and I had a courage where I used to be so afraid. And there was an ability that God gave me that I thought that I could never have. And it came in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just trying to say, I'm not saying it great today, but all I'm really trying to say to us today is if we're going to shake up the world, there's not one of us that can afford to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. Not one of us. The second thing, to be a world shaker, we need to be committed to prayer. Acts 4.31 says these words, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Listen, no matter how much power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, one thing you, you, ne 
One thing you'll always realize, no matter what experiences you've had in God, you'll know you can't do anything without God. And that's why prayer becomes so important to a world shaker. To somebody through whom God wants a church, a people, a group, an individual, it doesn't matter. It becomes of, of the utmost necessity. Just like it was important to Jesus, it becomes really important to us. And here's these disciples having been threatened to not preach the name of Jesus. They were let go. Verse 23 says they were let go. And where did they go? But to their companions, to the church, to pray. They didn't, they didn't make prayer an add-on. They didn't, they didn't do everything else first and then fit prayer if everything else didn't fix. No, they made prayer their first resort. Amen. They not only made prayer the first resort, they joined forces with one another. Because they remember the words of Jesus that said, Any two of you, if any two of you shall agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. And they believed those words. They believed what Jesus said. And so they got together and they prayed. And when they prayed, they called, they prayed the promises of God. They referred, you can read it all there in the verses preceding this at another time. But let me give it to you in short. They prayed the promise of God's word and they called upon God through his, 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 uh, sovereign nature, his, his nature according to who God is because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it once, he can do it again. How many? Come on. Do you believe that today? And so they prayed this. Here's what they, they prayed intentionally. They made it a matter of intention. Church, can we make it a matter of intention in our life that we, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are going to get up a great while before dawn? This is actually in the Bible. And go off to a solitary place where we will pray. Will we give God the time of day? Any part of the day. Just any part. Scratch great while before dawn. I know that that rocks your world maybe a little too much, some of us. But we need to pray with intentionality. And we need to pray passionately with impassioned fervor. He said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we need some fervor in our prayer. We need, as a people, to pray with not only intention, but that passion of heart. We believe that God can do anything. And we know that nothing can be done without God. And we are living in times that are proving this reality, that's proving this truth. We need God like never before. Things are shaking. Things are different. And listen, and I'm not trying to, but things, things in our culture are shifting at such a rate. We don't even know. Even people in the church world, we can't even figure out what the church is going to look like after all of this or through all of this or when all of this is over, if it's ever over. Things change. Things look different. But we're still the people of God. We're still the church of the living God. And God still wants to rock and roll this world through His people. But we have to be people of prayer. We have to be committed to it. Committed to the call to pray. We need to pray with 
interceding power and with imagination. Full of faith, believing what God can do. In the prayer, Peter and the church was praying, Lord, just before verse 31, he said, Lord, stretch forth your hand to work signs and wonders and miracles so that we can preach your word with boldness. God, move. Move and do things, Lord, that get the attention of the world that you are God. And give us the boldness, Lord. Give us the boldness. We need to pray with that kind of imagination. We need to pray with a kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, I feel, like I, I feel like today I'm really preachy. Sorry about this. It's what you get. But we need to get an imaginative art like, God, what do you want to do today? God, stretch forth your hand. People say, oh, we shouldn't look for the hand of God. Well, it's right there in the Bible. Yeah, I know we're supposed to seek the face of God. But here, Peter prayed for the hand of God to move. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the church saying, God, would you move in and through and around my life? Would you stretch forth your hand and work signs and wonders and miracles? And give me power and give me boldness so that in the midst of it, I can make sure that you get all of the glory. There's vain imagination. There's wrong kind of imagination. There's vain imagination, which are thoughts and ideas which don't line up with reality. But then there's victorious imagination. God, what could you do here? We need to pray with that kind of imagination. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. I meant to give this to you in the NIV because... For once they got it right, but I, it's in the New King James. No. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably, let's see what I, exceedingly, I gave it to you in the wrong translation. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, the NIV says, imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Paul said, God can do more than you can imagine through the church, through you. But we need to have that imaginative kind of prayer. Amen. I want to tell you something, how powerful your prayers are. I want to show you something in in Revelation chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Actually, pull that down just for a second, Rich. Does anybody here ever struggle with your prayers? Does anybody in the room ever, on any level, because you won't be wrong if you say yes to this, you ever doubt that your prayers went beyond your ceiling? Do you have any kind of fear about it, any kind of hesitation, any kind of, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, after all, in the end, whatever's going to be is going to be, and it doesn't really matter what I pray, apparently. Anybody have those kinds of attitudes on the occasion? Can I confess I have? 
But I want to tell you something today. I want to remind you of something that's so powerful and important. In the book of Revelation, what we are given in the book of Revelation is a behind-the-scenes view of what's really going on. That's what Revelation is. It's an unveiling. It's an opening up. It's bringing us into the heavenly realms to understand the reality, what's more true than even the realities of your present existence and things that you're presently going through in your life. It's really showing us what God is up to behind the scenes. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. And one of the things that it shows us is something very significant about our prayers. Before I get to chapter 8, I want to remind you that in chapter 5, the Bible talks about the 24 elders, each one of them having a golden harp and a bowl of prayers. Every one of them had a harp of worship and a bowl of incense, of interceding, passion impassioned prayers when it all comes down when when you boil your life down in christ it comes down to your walk with the lord and calling upon the lord well in chapter 8 the bible said john said i saw an angel with a golden censer let me go ahead and read verses 4 and 5 i'm not there yet but let me just go ahead and read it it says no go ahead go, go back to it rich it says And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Now let me just stop right there and just say that the incense came from the altar, which was the work of Christ. The incense is the intercessions of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. And so the angel went to the altar and he got incense from the altar and he put it in his censer and then the angel goes and the Bible says with the incense, with the prayers of the saints that ascended before God from the angel's hand. Go on to the next verse. There is a next verse, right? There we go. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar. Look at what happened. And threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings. Come on and read those last words. And an earthquake. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here, you know what the Lord is trying to show us? There is no prayer that you've ever prayed that has just kind of wafted through glory and out into nowhere. And come to nothing. Every prayer that you and I pray is stored in God's presence. It's held in bowls, if you will. It's all picturesque. It's all principle that the Lord wants us to see. Your your prayers don't come to nothing. Your prayers build up pressure. Your prayers are weighting down in glory. And one day, God is going to mix His prayers with your prayers. And He pours it out. And things begin to move when God's people pray. This is really important. To understand that you and I, your prayers matter. Our prayers matter. There's nothing, there's no prayer that we pray that doesn't mean anything, that's insignificant, that doesn't build up. There, we tip the, 
the balance of power, if you will, through our prayers, just like he took the scales and he took, and he took that censer and he poured it out on the earth. Your prayers are going to come back, hallelujah, in the form of answers, in the form of the moving of God. Praise the Lord. Amen, church. Amen. So let's pray. Let's pray with victorious imagination. Let's, let's ask the Lord, Lord, what, what are you doing? What do you want to do here now? Because there's, there's things that God wants to do in the earth, but he waits for his people to pray. Here's what I want you to know. God is, God is committed to working out his rule on earth through the prayers of his church. He's committed to it. We're not here to pray to change God's will. We're here to pray that God's will comes to pass. What is God's will in these days that we live? What is the Lord up to? Where is he taking us? Where is he taking our family? Where is he taking this world? Where is he taking our culture? We need to pray with imagination. Amen. So, to be a world shaker, we need to be endued with power. We need to be filled afresh and anew with power. And we need to be committed to prayer. And then the final thing that I want to share with you today as a world shaker, we need to be people of praise. The kind of people who praise God, who have a heart of praise and gratitude and thanksgiving and rejoicing, no matter what happens. No matter what happens. I said no matter what happens. That we are a people of praise. The second story that I want us to go to in the book of Acts, it's found in Acts 16, verse 25 and 26. Let me read the verses, and then I'll give you the backstory. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Oh, look at there. They were praying. I said, look at there. They were praying. Come on. Prayer is what we do. No matter how great you are, you need to pray. I need to pray. Amen. He said, they were praying, and look, singing hymns. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening in. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there was a great, what was it? Earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened and every one's chains were loosed. Everyone's. Not just Paul and Silas's. God is looking to set everybody free. God wants to deliver everyone. Well, the story behind this is you guys maybe remember, and if you haven't, let me just give you the quick version of it. Paul and Silas were on their missionary journey. And they came to a fork in the road and they thought and planned and were trying to go east. But every time they tried to go, the Spirit of the Lord stopped them, closed the door. And then rather than kicking the door open, like some of us try to do sometimes, 
They thought, hmm, God must be up to something here. God must be wanting to change our plan. You know, he deserves, he, he reserves the right to do that, you know. He can change your plan if he wants to. Because he's your Lord, he's your God, he loves you, and he has a better idea than you and I do sometimes, right? And so because they, God kept closing the door to go east, Paul had a dream of a Macedonian man, which was west of where they were, to come on over here. And so he said, that must be the Lord. And they went over there and they came to the city of Philippi and there was no, there wasn't even a, a Jewish synagogue there, which is Paul's mode of operation was to go into the synagogue and preach to the Jew first, give them an opportunity first. But there was not even a synagogue there, but there were people meeting down by the river. So he went down by the river on the Sabbath day and he went there and led a lady by the name of Lydia to the Lord her and her whole house. And then they were there for a period of time and preaching the gospel and a demon-possessed girl was falling in the, around and hell was trying to stop the church. Come on, hell was trying to stop the church. Hell was trying to get in the way of what God was doing through Paul and Silas there. And Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, cast the demon out of that girl, which messed up the whole financial ecosystem of the culture there, the city. And they became angry and dragged them through the streets, brought them to the magistrates and said, these people are messing things up around here. So they beat them. They beat them. Physical persecution, they beat them. And then they said, put them in prison and make sure they don't get out. And so the jailer was so full of fear that he put them in stocks in the lower part, the dungeon part of the jail. So here's Paul and Silas doing, going where Jesus told them to go, doing what Jesus told them to do. And they get beaten for it. And they're in stocks and in chains down in a rat. you got to know it. There had to have been rats there. There had to have been a spider or two. I mean, this had to be an awful place to be. And they're in pain. Their bodies are in pain. And they, 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 if, if they were me, they, there must have been some kind of wonderment. Man, did I miss God or what? I mean, why would this have happened? If I was really where I was supposed to be, this would never happen. I mean, I don't know if you think like that, but that comes across my mind occasionally. They're beaten and battered and imprisoned. And if they didn't feel like they missed it, they got to feel like, man, it, it looks like we're losing this battle. Looks like we're losing. I know Jesus won the war, but man, I feel like I'm losing this battle. So they prayed. Last thing you need to do when you're going through a place that you're a little disgusted and frustrated and uncertain about is clam up on God. You need to cry out to God. And then their prayers turned into praise. Because when you stop focusing on your pain, you get a clearer vision of the promise. When you stop accentuating the problem, you start to get a revelation of the solution. And their spirit was turned around, and they began to praise the Lord. 
And they're praising into the midnight hour. They're praising, it's midnight, and they're praising, and the whole, the whole bunch of prisoners that were there were listening. They were amazed at the joy, at the praise, at the gladness that was in their heart with what they're going through. And as they were praising the Lord, the suddenly happened. God moved. He shook things up. And the Bible said all the doors came open. And all the chains were loosed from the wall or wherever they were bolted to. And every one of them were, they, they, in that sense, they were all freed, but none took off. If you know the story, it goes on and the jailer sees what had happened and he thought for sure the prisoners were gone. And so he's getting ready to kill himself because he knows they're going to kill him or he's got to kill himself. And Paul saw and he said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all in here. None of us have left. We're not leaving. I always... Love that idea because I really believe that the Lord didn't get them through the problem to get them out, but to get that jailer in to the kingdom of God. And see, the stuff that you and I go through, we get angry and frustrated and upset and just, I can't believe this is happening to me and I thought I heard from God and it looks like we're losing the war and it looks like we're not gaining any ground and we're just so angry and upset. But if we would just shift our spirit from complaining and griping and really be who God really created us to be. Do you know that God created in our being to be praisers? I mean, look at yourself when you go to a baseball game or a football game or you watch your child in Little League. There's just something on the inside of you. You want to praise. It's more natural for you and I to be praisers than it is for us to be complainers and whiners. I ran out of words. It's more natural for you to praise the Lord because God created you that way. That's how He designed you. But we go in, we shut down, we clam up, we get, we get angry, we, we, we coil up within ourselves with what we're going through when if we would just shift it, if we would just change the way we're doing things instead of whining, praise the Lord. What might happen? What suddenly might take place? Amen. Let me just share with you. Let's just, I want to remind you about praise. Praise is your access to God's presence. It's your walk in relationship. The Bible says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Don't let a day go by that you don't just enter into God's presence and sing his praises. I mean, sing it literally and sing it verbally. I Sing the praises of God. What is so frustrating sometimes is how people will not come in to worship or they'll, they'll put off praise and worship at church as though that's not the big deal. The big deal is the word of God. And I'm glad that you like the word of God, but I really wish that you wish, not wish, I wish that you would like to praise and worship because that's what the Lord is all about. 
We need to be in the presence of God. We need to be singing His praises. And I want to tell you something. People who aren't here for praise and worship and just kind of meander in a little bit later on, I wonder, are you singing His praises Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We need to be praising the Lord. Amen. Don't worry, I'm almost done. You'll be through all this pain. Praise is our access. Praise, and I'll tell you another thing about praise, it changes you. It changes. That's what happened to Paul and Silas that day. They were changed. I mean, something, they just praised the Lord, and it changed their whole circumstance. They didn't get out. They they went through the process. They went through all the mediation, but God delivered them that day. And they lived to see another day. Hallelujah. And praise changes you. I love when Paul was writing to the book of Philippians, actually. This happened in Philippi. And then years later, he's writing to the book of Philippians. He wrote the book of Philippians. And there were people that were fussing with one another. And they were not getting along. And it was two women. But that's besides the point. And <laughs> thought I'd just throw that in there. And he said, here's how he, here's how he addressed the issue. Here's how he addressed it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord's at hand. You know what he was saying there? Ladies, (laughs) let's be kind. And the way that we can do this is get your eyes on the Lord. And just praise the Lord. And just rejoice in the Lord. And be glad in the Lord. And out of that will come the gentleness. Because you know that the Lord, you can't be in the presence of God and carry on the way you are. It changes you. Praise changes you. This is why I need to come here on Sunday mornings and stand right down there and sing along with Katie and the Sunshine Band. That's why I need to do it. I think I'm on to something there. <laughs> we can't sing anything remotely close to that, what he did. Do. I need that because I need my attitude to be shifted. Amen. Here's another thing about praise. Praise, listen, praise always defeats the enemy. As I said earlier, how must Paul and Silas have felt that, that night there? As they wondered, maybe, did I miss God? Feels like we're losing. You know, like, I feel like, in a way, over these last several months that we've lost something. It just feels like loss has been there. I hardly even know what to do with myself. I hardly even know what to do next. And I watched yet another kind of leadership thing for church, you know, and this and that. And it was like, and I, and I, I literally felt like it just sunk my spirit. Just, I just felt lost. But I know God's moving. It's hard to, you know, it's kind of like, I know they're shaking and I can't stop the earthquake. I just got to kind of hold on and ride this out a little bit. And I know that the enemy wants to come in 
the side door, so to speak, and mess things up and get us torn apart in our spirit. I just want to tell you, if you and I will just commit to ourselves to be a praising people, full of praise, a rejoicing attitude, a glad attitude, not despairing, not being overwhelmed by the crisis that we're going through. I believe that we're going to see such a holy shakeup that there are things, things that seem to be binding us right now, doors that seem to be closed, chains that seem to be holding us down. They're just going to, doors are going to swing open and chains are going to be loosed. And every one of us, even us scoundrels, are going to be set free. Amen. And I, I want to tell you, and I want to, I want to read just a portion of Romans 16.20, because this is a promise of God that's ever always true, that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. That is a true, listen, that is a true statement no matter what you're going through. There are times that it feels like you're not winning. There are times when it feels like we don't know how we're going to get through this. There are times when, like Paul was at Philippi, when that demon-possessed girl was following them around and hounding them and distracting them, that it doesn't feel like you're getting, you know, where's that deliverance? But shortly, Paul wrote that out of experience. You may go through seasons when it feels like you're not winning, but listen, listen, always, very shortly, he will be under your feet. That's his home, under your feet. Praise God. Praise God. So church, let's stand together. I want to say this one more time, and then I'm done. We need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to begin to pray for God's for the Spirit of God to come upon you in a fresh way. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit or not. Oftentimes, I believe in my, my situation, in my circumstance, it was accompanied with the, the sign, if you will, I guess, of speaking with another language. And I do believe that that is available to anyone and everyone who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But however the Spirit of God manifests when He comes upon you, you'll know when you've, when you've been immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit because it's not, in, it's not what you do initially that's important. It's what you do from that day forward. That's the important thing. Your life will be changed. Your life will be changed. You, you will do things you never thought you could do. You will go places you thought you would never go. You're, you're, you, everything about you will be so impacted by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But listen, if we're going to make a difference in the earth, which is what Jesus left us here to do, we can't do it without His power. Yes, we need to be people of prayer. And when you have His power, you know this. I need God all the time. And that's why you pray. And then you set your heart to be a people of praise. Because there's nothing we're going through that is beyond His power, beyond His ability. We are more than conquerors. Come on. We are more than conquerors.
If you would like a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, I know we can't touch one another, can't lay hands on each other, supposedly. But let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Let's just lift our heart to the Lord. And just say it to the Lord. Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the power. Lord, I want a fresh infilling. Lord, me. I'm talking for me, not for them. Lord, fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit today and every day, Lord. And whenever any crisis arises, God, we, Lord, would you send the Spirit right now, Lord? Would you pour out your Spirit upon all flesh in this room right now, Lord God. Let there come a, a freedom and a liberty in our heart, God, to receive all of you. Lord, to receive all that you want for us, God. We need your mighty power, your great power, and your great grace to come upon us, Lord, so that we can have boldness and courage in these days in which we live. Oh, God, we need you right now, Lord. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Listen, right now in the Holy Spirit, if you feel or sense any kind of language, if you hear words in your heart or in your mind, just begin to speak that right out loud right now. That They may not be intelligent words to you or they may not be words of an English to you, but just begin to speak out of your out of your belly. The Bible, Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Oh God, we just pray right now that you would come and baptize and fill and anoint, Lord God. We need your presence. Come on, let's just hang in here for just a minute. Just hang in here for just a minute. Come, Holy Spirit. God, baptize us, we pray. Baptize us. Fill us to overflowing. We need to move. Sing that, Katie. Come on, let's sing that. We need to move. Or Mike. Come on, church, sing it. We need a move. We need a move. Oh, come and move among us, oh God, we pray. Move in this place, we pray, oh Lord. Oh, move, oh move, oh move. Have your way, O oh God, we pray. Amen. How many of you believe God's going to move? Amen. Amen. God is going to move. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you again.